Kebs podcast. Uh, we are back after a few weeks off, and um, after everything with John, I really got a good response for that, and glad so many people were touched by John. But now we're moving back on to the Cubs, the grind of the Cubs season, and um, my guest today is Husna Vahora, who is a co-writer on Cubs Insider. She's really great. You follow her at Hus, H-U-S, on Twitter, and she's really good, and we had a good conversation about um, the Cubs, state of the Cubs right now, Wilson Contreras, her favorite player, and Javi Baez, who's just doing everything right now, and um, some stuff about what she hopes to do as a sports writer. So here is Husna Bahora. The Cubs are in first place right now. Kind of in a soft part of the soft part of their schedule, but they've kind of struggled the last two days. How are you feeling about the Cubs right now? I am feeling as I felt my entire life. I'm feeling hopeful. I mean, um, it isn't. I don't think it's the bounce back. Not the bounce back season. We had an amazing season last year, but I don't think it was. It's exactly the follow-up season that myself or many uh, Cubs fans expected or hoped for. But I'm still feeling okay just because if you look at the pieces we have, we have a lot of great pieces. And the only time we seem to be struggling is when all the pieces aren't clicking. So I think, I think when we really take a step back and look at it, we have so many things going for us, so many players and things like that that are going so well, but it's just a matter of things clicking and continuing to click, and I think that's where we've struggled lately. Uh, well, not just um, lately; it's been better than it was in the first half. But you know, we can one day we can win like 15 to nothing, and then the next day we're struggling to pull out runs. And it all yeah, it's it's kind of yeah, it's kind of out of whack that. And, like, the last two games we had losses to the Reds and Phillies, who are two bad teams, and it, yeah, it can get kind of annoying. Right, absolutely. And then, you know, especially the one with the Reds, it's like we had that game won. And once again, the curse of I, – I keep calling it the curse of the eighth inning, and I was not superstitious. I think I really became superstitious last year uh, during the playoffs. But it's like – that dreaded eighth inning comes along we can be leading by four or five runs but when that eighth inning comes along and you know the bullpen has taken over i've lately especially i've since uh that cardinals game where all the eighth inning woes started it's been a little nerve-wracking for me every time we're in the eighth inning i'm like okay if we get past the eighth we can win but we need to get past the eighth first yeah, it's one of those things that we can't seem to find. Cubs can't seem to find a good closer. Not a closer, a good bridge to their closer, Wade Davis. It's like everyone they try in the eighth inning has had problems, and they seem to do better earlier in the game. Uh, kind of hard to put your finger on why. Right, absolutely. And, and that's the thing about baseball, too. Like I said, one day you can score, you know, 15 runs. The next day you can barely scratch out one. And then in the same way with pitching and bullpen, like one day your pitching staff can throw – 
an amazing game. You're shutting them out through all nine innings. And then the next day, you're blowing a lead in the very last couple of innings to lose the game. And I don't really think that there's anything indefinite that we can point on and say this is the thing that is wrong in the eighth inning because as you said it's been a variety of guys it hasn't just been one you know pretty much all of our bullpen guys have struggled in the eighth inning and I don't know is there like some kind of magical spell bad voodoo in the air we don't know about I don't know maybe that's maybe that's what it is yeah and a guy that actually often gets the blame is um, Pedro Strope and, you know, he actually, his numbers have been very good. I mean, over his time in the Cubs, he's had the, one of the best bullpen ERAs of anyone in all of baseball. But it seems like he just gets a ton of criticism when he blows a game. And it's, it's kind of amazing. You know, that always baffles me, too. I'm a huge Pedro Strop fan. Um, and so that really baffles me, too, that anybody else from our bullpen can have a bad day, a bad outing, and sure, I'll, sure, they'll hear about it. But when Pedro does it, it's like this huge, I don't know, this huge debacle. Like, Pedro blew another game, but when you really look at it, he didn't blow another game. He's been one of our best relievers all, all year long, and as you've said, since he's been with the Cubs, he's had pretty solid numbers. He's been a dependable guy, sure. He's had his ups and downs, but... Really, I have noticed that, and I mean, in general, just beyond the numbers and beyond his performance, Pedro gets so much crap from everyone around the league because of the way he wears his hat. So I don't think I don't think Pedro is getting away from the criticism, not from Cubs fans or not from non-Cubs fans. Just has a target on his back, I guess. Yeah, it seems like it, but um, yeah, hopefully the bullpen issues will start to write themselves a little bit as we go down the end of the year. But um, I was going to move on to your one of my favorite players on the team and definitely your favorite player on the team, uh, Wilson Contreras, who, of course, is on the DL right now, but he is making a comeback. But I just want to talk about your, uh, I don't know what I want to call it, your <laughs> intense fandom for Wilson Contreras. I think it's a, safe to say obsession but a very healthy obsession. I think Wilson is, he epitomizes the game of baseball. Like he is a hustler. He, he hustles everything out. And even when he's throwing to the plate, I mean, sorry, when he's throwing to a base, it's like he uses every single ounce of energy from his body and just shoots it over to the, you know, to the base. And the way he plays, his spirit um, the way he's able to come through in clutch situations. I knew from his very first major league at bat when he hit that homer that he was going to be someone special. And I'm really glad that the Cubs have gotten to see him grow as much as he has. And I think that for him, there's no place to go but up. I think that he's going to get increasingly better. And this is unbiased completely. Um, I, I'm just going by what I've seen already is him just getting better. You think he can get better, and then he gets better. So this injury sucks, for lack of a better word. Um, I'm sure you've noticed, too, that there's been some time, some uh, instances hasn't, uh, since, he, since he's been on the disabled list, that I felt like, dang, if Wilson was here, we could have just bought him off the bench, or we could have just had him in this spot, and he probably would have gotten that clutch hit. Yeah, and it's one of those things too where he's got a—he's so 
like energetic and try so hard that you almost are terrified with a hamstring injury that he'll come back too soon and just like just push it way hard and re-injure himself yeah, so you're I, almost I like you gotta agree. keep i actually heard uh i want to say it was len and jd speaking about it the other day that you know wilson is really trying to make a comeback and he seems to be doing well and i have no doubt that he is i have no doubt that he is itching more than anyone to be playing again but of course uh with players like that you have to take even more caution because they want to put their body and you know their heart and soul out every single game and uh you know even if that means they're not feeling 100% they feel like hey the team needs me so let me go out and just suck it up let me just ignore what my body's telling me so you know i i have no doubt that wilson's trying to make uh, the speediest recovery he can but i know that you know the coaches and the pitching staff and everyone sorry the coaching staff and the trainers are doing whatever they know they need to do to make sure he's not rushing himself and they'll only bring him back when he's ready just like you know they did with Kyle Schwarber last year they didn't prematurely bring him back they brought him back when they knew that he is he was fine and his body was fine and nothing else was at risk yeah and you know it's actually a good transition from Wilson Contreras to another very energetic player, uh, Javi Baez, who's basically been all over the place the last couple weeks. Oh yeah, and he's really playing well. They don't call so they I, don't call him El Mago for nothing. That's right, the magician for those who don't speak Spanish. The magician, and I, I love that um, for Players Weekend, he's been able to have El Mago on his jersey. That's pretty sick. Yeah. So I guess an interesting question is going to come up with this. Baez has been taking over for Addison Russell, who's normally the shortstop, and he's been playing so well. So the question is, do you keep Baez at shortstop when Russell comes back, or does Russell get his spot back? If I'm Joe Madden, I honestly stick it out with Javi. I think that uh, I feel like Javi is better. Um, the more consistently he plays, the better he is. And I have no doubt that Javi has been this amazing all along. It's just the fact that we haven't gotten to see him this consistently at the same position. So I think that we're getting such a large sample size here of him playing. And uh, I, if I was Joe Madden, even if Addison Russell were to come back, I know he's, you know, the everyday guy, but I think I would keep Javi there. I think there's no reason to take him out. I'm one of the people who believes that if something isn't broken, why fix it? So I think Javi should stay there. I know a lot of people may beg to differ because, you know, it is Addy's, you know, place after all. But I think that with what we're seeing, with the offense, the defense, he's doing everything right. And he's been a huge part in why we've been playing as well as we've been playing. And so, you know, I would keep him there. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you. I will play devil's advocate, though, for the other side. And people will say that, Yes, Baez makes the spectacular plays and has got the great arm, but um, Russell is more consistent and smooth and makes fewer errors. But I kind of lean against that because of his throwing problems this year. Yeah, you know, I I'm, I'm definitely agree with you on that one. As with any player, you, you can put two players next to each other and they can both be amazing in their own way. And in that same right, both are going to have their same flaws. 
and you really have to decide what's best for the team and what games. I'm sure, you know, they'll look at the statistics and the, the matching, the matchups and things like that. Like who hits better versus this pitcher and who does better versus this. And I think, you know, essentially that's how the Cubs will make their decisions. But, you know, neither guy has been perfect this season. You know, both of them have had hot streaks and cold streaks, but for me, if I were Joe Madden, I'm not. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, Javi is having an amazing stretch, not just for the season, but a great stretch in his career. So I think, you know, I, I'm liking it. I'm liking where the magician is taking us and the things that are happening with him, you know, with him in the middle of the infield. Yeah, so I, I tend to agree with you on that, but I guess we'll see what Joe Madden does in a couple weeks when... Russell comes back. Um, so I will get you out on one more question. It's a question I ask everybody. So um, how did you become a Cubs fan? Well, I grew up um, around all of my maternal uncles and my maternal grandfather, um, all of whom are still alive and well right now. But when I grew up around all of them, uh, I, they would just watch sports. They would watch the Bears, the, the Cubs, the Bulls. So I grew up in a family where the men would watch sports. And, you know, I, I was one of the elder uh, grandkids. So I was a girl and I'm like, oh, cool. This this seems cool. And, you know, I really like this. And then when I became like when I was uh, about 13 years old, I really started watching baseball full time because even as it is for me right now, the Cubs are like an escape. Like they are my, you know, I can be having a bad day and I'll just kick my feet out and sit in front of the TV on the couch and watch a Cubs game. And it just feels very stress relieving. It feels natural and it makes me feel really happy. So I really got my fandom from my mom's side of the family when I was younger, but I nurtured that uh, just continuously watching baseball and obviously a huge Cubs fan fan I am today because of my mom's side with the family. Yeah, so no that that's kind of similar to my fan, how I started being a Cubs fan because of my grandfather and my dad's side of the family. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so um, I guess you you do this thing sometimes on Twitter, not all the time, mm-hmm. uh, where you do Twitter play by play. Yeah. So and. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So I used to do it a lot um, when I was unemployed. <laughs> I used to do it quite a bit because I had a lot of free time. Um, I would be doing my own projects and things, but I had a lot of time to just sit in front of the uh, the TV on the couch and watch Cubs games, play by play them, interact with people, make my own um, commentary that I thought was funny, but I'm pretty sure everybody else was like, oh God, make it stop. Um, and lately, unfortunately, I haven't had too much time to do that just because of, you know, the things that I've been pursuing. But I'm always following the Cubs game, whether it's on my phone or whether I'm actually sitting in front of the TV and watching it or getting updates through Twitter. But, you know, Twitter play by play is something I really enjoy doing. And, you know, that I guess I do that also with the hope that one day I will actually be doing play by play for the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I can ask you a little bit about that. You, you've got some goals to be in broadcasting, and um, do you think you'll make it someday? I think, you know, I think I will, because what a lot of people have told me is that I have something to offer that not, not just anyone does. 
you know, not only am I a woman in sports, there are so many amazing women in sports and I look up to so many of them. And, um, but I think for me, the, the thing is that I've always been the black sheep. I've always been different. And if you look at my career path versus the career paths of all of the cousins I grew up with, mine is obviously the most unconventional. Everyone else went into something like education or medicine, but I went into broadcast journalism and I really think I can make it. You know, I think that I have something offer, something unique to offer. I think that I'm honestly very likable just by needing people off of Twitter and interacting with people. I think that Twitter really opened the door for me and showed me that people don't care, you know, that I'm a Muslim girl, that I wear hijab, that I'm an Indian girl. They really just care about the person they see talking about sports and somebody that they can relate to in, you know, in talking about the team that they love. So when it comes down to like just the heart and soul and core of journalism, I think I have what it takes just as so many other people do to make it. So I don't think anything can hold me back except myself. And I always tell myself that like you can't um, you can't hinder your own growth, but in the same way you can't allow others to hinder it either. So I really do believe I can make it. Ideally I'd like to either do play by play or be a contributor. I think that would be pretty cool as well. You go to a lot of Cubs games at Wrigley and of course I'm in Montana. I don't go to can't get to many Cubs games, but just what's it like to go to a lot of Cubs games at Wrigley, your experience? It's great, honestly. I feel like it is one of those places where you just let go of your filter. I am not a singer. I am not a dancer. But when I'm at Wrigley, I'm singing all the walk-up songs. I'm dancing, you know, just doing everything. I think the best part about being in Wrigley is that the crowd is really what you can feed off of. So... Just being there for every homer, even the strikeouts sometimes are exciting because, like, uh, a cub could strike out in a key situation and then you'd, like, turn to your neighbor and you're like, oh, can you believe that? And then you start bonding with people. So what I love most about Wrigley is, like, feeling like there's this huge family of 40,000 people and everyone is there for the same purpose. But also, like, if your team loses, you don't leave feeling super upset because there's a bunch of people who just shared you know those great moments with you and I I think that's really what it's about and that's why my little sister is 13 and I take her to pretty much every Cubs game I go to because I see the joy that she feels already at such a young age with the Cubs and it's a great feeling to see the things being passed down from generation to generation yeah that's a good way to look at it too because some people get a little, I don't know what I would say, a little like sour and stuff when the Cubs lose and feel a little down and stuff. And sometimes it's like, but it's still, you know, you got to look at the bright side sometimes even when your team mm-hmm. loses. No, absolutely. It, it sucks. Like I went to the, the Nationals game, Cubs and Nationals, and they blew it. And I believe it was the eighth inning and then there was a grand slam. So that was a really sucky loss, but there was a wonderful woman and her husband in front of me. She was originally from Chicago and he was from Hawaii. So they were visiting from Hawaii and we just talked and we bonded and we got into like, oh, you. so what do you do? I'm like, oh, you know, I blog about the Cubs sometimes and things like that. So it's, it's nice to always have a silver lining where, when you're at Wrigley. There's always a silver lining. Even when the Cubs lose, you're meeting people, you're talking to people. And nine times out of 10, the Cubs have at least done one or two things in the game for you all to cheer for. And of course, the stretch. That's, that's one of the best parts, too, about being at Wrigley is 
everyone is just belting it at the top of their lungs. And, you know, a lot of us can't sing, but during those times, everyone's a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess we'll end things there. And, uh, of course, you write sometimes for Cubs Insider. I do. I do write sometimes for CubsInsider.com. And, um, you know, a bunch of talented people are there, like yourself as well. So I think everybody, uh, we're just going to plug ourselves in here. Right, Sean? Yeah, that's right. Got to gotta give ourselves some some love. CubsInsider.com, folks. And, of course, you can... That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, you're, of course, on... Uh, Twitter at Hus or Hus? Uh, tw- at Husnavahora, my full name. Husnavahora, okay. Should I spell it out? At Husnavahora. <laughs> you can. H U S N A A V H O R A, at Husnavahora. Mm-hmm. All right, and I'm, of course, at STH85. Anyone listens to this and doesn't follow me on Twitter, which there might be, I don't you know. You should. You should. He's really and, good on Twitter. Yes. Yes, thank you. You are welcome. Um, Anyway, thanks for coming on. Thank you. We'll be back next week with a new episode.